Well, hello again, everybody. This is Mark Stenson, and you're listening to Unlocking Your World of Creativity, where we talk to guests literally all over the world about their most original creative thinking, inspiration from their experience, and any specific tools, ideas, and exercises. We're just so happy today to have as our guest, Charlie Wyman. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Charlie Wyman is a B2B marketing coach and consultant. She trains people on LinkedIn techniques and processes. But most of all, I love the fact, Charlie, you're an advocate for curious thinking. That just says it all right there. I appreciate you being <laughs> on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. And Charlie hosts her own podcast, The Curiosity Key, which I'm sure we'll get into along the way. Charlie has all sorts of ways and ideas to find and attract clients. You know, we know as entrepreneurs that can be frustrating and overwhelming. We know as creative people, we like to focus on our creative craft and uh, wish all that connection business would just take care of itself, but it doesn't, does it? Charlie, as we get started here, I always like to just start with some, uh, I'll call them icebreaker questions. But if there was a creative project that was on your desk today, that you addressed. Give us a little story behind that creative project and how it was important to you and what you were able to progress on it today. Uh, so I guess I do have a, I have an actual creative project on my desk at the moment, which is uh, to do with the rebrand of my company because I launched it three years ago under my name and it will be relaunching as Curious B2B Marketing. So I'm very excited about that. And the creative process, I guess it always starts with a walk in the forest. Uh, I love anything to do with hills, mountains, uh, anything to do with water. And where I live at the moment, I'm very landlocked. It's not a very hilly place, but we do have a lot of forests. I live in Nottingham, so uh, the home of Robin Hood and Sherwood Forest. I, I get most of my inspiration from just walking and being outside and like listening to, to the sounds of the outdoors and what's going on. And I have my best ideas out there. Plus also, it just allows me to organize my thoughts. Basically, I have a bit of a process where if I want to do something, I'll just go and let my brain run wild and just let all of the ideas flow and it, you know, just be a bit of a jumbled mess. But then I'll go for another walk and then I'll organize those thoughts and start to prioritize everything else. I actually have a framework, which we can talk about later, uh, called the Otter, which will help you uh, basically just reduce any overwhelm. Because sometimes when you have these ideas or these projects, you get a bit overwhelmed with the, the things that you need to do to bring them to life. So it's just a case of, you know, understanding where your priorities lie, what you have to leverage, and just creating a system to make it super simple. And I can't tell you how many guests have said they enjoy a walk to kind of free the brain. But I think you are the first to say they take a walk in the forest. So uh, it, it gives me a whole different mental picture, not just around the block. To the <laughs> yes, forest, go into terrific. the forest. And then, you know, when you face, I guess, an obstacle or a hurdle to your creative thinking, sometimes that's the thinking process, but sometimes it's a literal process block or connection block. How do you overcome those in your creative process? I think to be honest, more often than not, obstacles come from overthinking something. So I find that actually by pausing the idea and pausing the thinking on what it is that you're trying to accomplish, doing something completely different, then you will naturally unblock yourself because you're not, you're not overthinking it and you're trying to distract your brain and think, 
think about something else. So yeah, if I ever have a, a roadblock and I get them all the time, I, uh, I just try and focus on something else, uh, even if it's just like a computer game or something like that. Or, uh, you know, I'm very much into sports. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit injured at the moment, so I can't do the sports that I would normally do. But I actually find that uh, just going sort of headfirst into an intense training session or just completely zoning out and thinking about something different will take me away from the problem. And then when I come back to it, it's sort of gone. Very good. And what about this idea of getting your creative work out into the world? You know, some of our listeners have creative projects, but they have a confidence issue, perhaps, of saying, I need to get this out, but I'm, I'm scared to hit the publish button. I'm scared to set up the calls. I'm scared to, you know, and scared maybe overputting it, but you, you get the idea that you yep. know, launching, how do you address the launch? Uh, Rebranding, so, for example, how are you going to get ready to get it out? Well, first of all, it's been a long time coming and I can completely empathize with anybody that uh, gives themselves all the reasons under the sun not to hit publish or not to go ahead with something. And um, what I do is I kind of, I, I ask myself, what am I afraid of? Or really try and uncover the real reasons behind that resistance. And if I can't do that myself, then I'll sort of rope in a friend of mine um, that's got sort of coaching skills or my partner who, after living with me for 11 years, um, has become quite good at it. So I think it's just that be curious and get others to help you be curious about what those resistances are and what you're really afraid of. Because more often than not, the things that you're afraid of just need talking out because you're not really afraid of them or they're not as big as you've made them out to be in your head. I can't remember who coined the term, but it's that feel the fear and do it anyway. I think as well, it's like kind of don't, don't be afraid of failing, failing because some of our biggest learnings come from those failures, you know, fail fast because the faster you fail, the quicker you learn. So yeah, move on. Yeah. We've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. It's like, like pulling off the plaster, isn't it? You know, you've just got to, just got to get it over and done with hit publish and then uh, enjoy the the results. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. That's right. Well, great. Thanks for that setup. Tell us a little bit about the kind of B2B marketing and consulting that uh, you do and the kind of clients that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I work with a range of clients. Um, I work a lot with companies that are doing their own marketing, whether it's a, a one-person company or it's a larger company. And I've worked with million pounds, million dollar turnover companies where all of the marketing is done in-house by either the founder of the company or by one person that's also got other responsibilities as well. I love working with companies like that because that was me years ago. And a lot of the frameworks and the systems and the teachings that I've developed over the years have essentially, the purpose of them really is what I would have wanted when I first started out because I, I started my career as an engineer. I, I didn't study marketing. I ended up in a marketing role and then found that I was actually quite good at it. So I had to go through that painful process of being ripped off by marketing agencies and people taking advantage of my lack of knowledge of the terminology and all these other things. So I, I kind of want to stop people going through that painful process. But also it's just to try and inspire people to be a bit more curious because the more curious you are, the better your marketing. The thing that I always say is, you want to solve problems for your clients. You want to develop new products. You want to innovate. You want to put new things out there. You know, you want to be creative. And a lot of people fear marketing. A lot of people resist it. But if we want our businesses to survive, thrive, and grow, we need to be marketing. 
So my goal is to kind of reduce the overwhelm, make it simple, but also make it exciting because the more excited you are about your marketing, the more excited your ideal clients will be at the prospect of working with you. Basically, the frameworks that I take people through all revolve around curiosity and all involve just injecting a little bit of energy about, you know, the whole business development process, basically, because also my experience is not just in marketing, it's in sales. So I was the head of global sales and marketing for an engineering company and did that for six years. And then I moved over and worked as head of marketing for a group of companies that served the global shipping industry. For me, marketing isn't just about lead generation. It's about making sure that you're generating high quality leads that turn into sales so that you're leveraging as much as possible, taking advantage of all of the resources that you have available rather than going to the next new shiny object and thinking that you have to be doing something. Exactly. When more often than not, everybody's already doing stuff. They just need to do it a bit better. <laughs> do it better, yeah. I loved your delineation between marketing and, and the end result, the innovations, the you know business growth. I'm sure as you started that sentence that nobody loves marketing and nobody went into marketing because they liked it. Uh, I mean, my heart sank since I've spent my whole career in it. And I'm sure a lot of listeners went, oh wait, she's talking about marketing. What do you mean nobody likes it? But your delineation of the process and how many people, they try to create it as a mystical process. And that's where the mm -hmm. ripoffs and the burnout. But I like how you just described getting to the end result. Oh, definitely. And I think what you were saying about uh, kind of marketers not, not wanting to hear that, because I actually work with marketing agencies. Um, I work with marketing agencies and branding agencies. And marketing for other people is a whole different ballgame to doing the marketing for your own business. And that was a very hard lesson that I learned when I went into business by myself because I didn't appreciate just how hard it would be to market myself, my own products, my own services. And a lot of marketing agencies and marketers, they're doing marketing for other people. They're not necessarily doing the marketing for themselves. So they don't have those systems and processes. And then if you ask them if they enjoy marketing themselves, they don't because that's not something they get paid for. You know, mm -hmm. it's not something that they have the leisure of being creative or very, rather very few people do because you put all of your energy into marketing for other people because those are your clients and those are the people that you're working for. But when it comes to doing it yourself, it's a whole different ballgame. When I work for marketers or marketing teams, I work with marketing teams and sales teams together and approach it more on a business development front because, again, in my experience, marketing and sales need to communicate very effectively because if you want your marketing to perform really, really well, you need that input from sales. You also need that input from customer service, but then that's a whole, whole of the conversation. <laughs> so it's, again, it, it comes back to that, that curiosity. It comes back to being creative as well and understanding the different mindsets and motivations from each team and bringing them together in a way that makes them all collectively excited to work together for the, the common goal which at the end of the day, you know, is to, to bring in new clients to make their, their lives wonderful and to make them keep coming back or refer us. So yeah, it's, it's like kind of taking people through that journey or adventure as I call it. Yes. Well, speaking of process and adventure, let's get into your otter approach. <laughs> and just, and just to paint the picture for folks, Charlie has a picture of this nice furry uh, river otter on her LinkedIn and uh, her web pages. And uh, again, this is audio only, but on her Zoom picture that I'm looking at now, there's a nice fuzzy otter 
on her back bookshelf next to all these like classic books. But, uh, the otter is definitely a symbol and a visual mnemonic, but take us through the process and, and how it works. So the otter is, we, we don't have a huge amount of time, so I'm not going to spoil you with the backstory, but in a nutshell, the otter was born when I was planning a professional speaking competition. So I'm part of the Professional Speakers Association. I joined earlier this year. And they started talking about this annual competition that they run at their national conference. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll enter that. Whilst I had five minutes to, to talk about a story, and what I wanted to talk about was um, the trip to Everest Base Camp that I did a couple of years ago. And one of the women in the group had a very different experience to me and the rest of the group. So even though she got through it, she hated it. She found it very overwhelming and painful and all of these other things. The way that she experienced it, that whole trip is the way that a lot of small businesses experience sales and marketing. Like they, they grit their teeth, they get through it and it's all good. And there's a process that I work through with my clients, but I'd never labeled it up until now. And when I was mapping out this talk, uh, a friend of mine challenged me and just said, you need an acronym. You need a four, maybe five letter acronym to summarize you, the points that you're trying to make. And it just, it was otter. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also you don't, you don't generally find otters up the side of a mountain. So it uh, right. makes it a little bit more memorable as well. But uh, basically it stands for the O is objectives. So you know what to focus on, where to prioritize. Uh, the T, the first T stands for tools because, you know, we, we all have all of these tools and assets and resources in front of us. We're just not necessarily leveraging them to help us achieve our objectives and our goals. The other T stands for training, because if you've got gaps in your knowledge and experience, you need some training in order to fill them. The E is for expectations, because you don't want to end up disappointed and you need to know what's in and outside of your control. So you kind of know what you're working towards. And then the R stands for review and reflect because it's important to always be looking at what it is that you're doing. So what's working, what's not working, what do you need to stop doing, start doing, continue doing, and also then what do you need to optimize? So yeah, that, that's the author. <laughs> uh, I love it. As a marketer and a brander, the mm -hmm. likability, so many of our acronyms, and, and I have them all, but uh, you know, they're not as embraceable. They're not as uh, fun as an otter. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's very approachable. So when you think about working with clients through those five steps, do you find that one of them is a sticking point or, you know, clients stumble a little harder and have to concentrate a little more on one of them? Uh, the big sticking point is generally the training aspect. I think a lot of companies, when they're doing their own marketing, don't generally have a learning and development budget or they plow any money that they get into R&D or innovation and development. So there's not huge, huge budget to play around with for marketing, let alone any kind of learning and development. So it's around really looking at what you can prioritize and how you can leverage what you've got in front of you, which is the fun part because it's, it, I love seeing people's like little light bulb moments going, you know what? Yeah, I've got that in front of me, but I've not done anything with it. Or actually acknowledging that the collective knowledge experience and stories that the team has, that they're just not doing anything with in a marketing context. There's so much content marketing that you can get when you start drawing out all of the stories from your developers and mm -hmm. from um, even people in customer service, you know, talking about the stories that they've experienced through working with the clients. So few companies actually leverage those things or use them. 
So sometimes it's just, you know, sort of bring up a mirror and just say, okay, well, what can we find here? If you've got no money to spend on training or marketing, let's have a look at what you've got now, but also set their expectations. Because if you're going to leverage more of what you've got and you've not, you're not spending a huge amount of money, then you've still got the quality, but it just might take a bit longer. So managing expectations is important. And um, I think there's a lot of, I've done a lot of marketing audits for, for companies and I've assessed lots of proposals from marketing agencies and a lot of these proposals from agencies lack objectives and timelines they don't set up expectations and I think more often than not companies get ripped off by marketing agencies not just because the marketing agency is taking advantage of them but because they're not taking enough ownership and responsibility for the marketing and they're not um, like they're basically not aligning their expectations at the start of that engagement yeah, you jump um, into the tactics and say, we just, we got to get this stuff done. We got to get some content marketing, quote unquote, because yeah. <laughs> everybody's doing it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> steady on, let's let's get a strategy yeah. in place first. Our, our competitor's doing it. We got to get in there too, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you know, when you think about one particular area that uh, you work in, and that's LinkedIn and mm-hmm. training companies and training entrepreneurs to use LinkedIn better. Tell us a little bit about that and what kind of results you've seen there. So I guess it follows on quite nicely from uh, you talking a little bit about tactics because so like I, the vast majority of people are using LinkedIn tactically instead of strategically. At the moment, LinkedIn stories is the next new shiny object and everybody's jumping on it going, oh, how do I use this? But I'm just going to get involved um, without necessarily understanding what that can do for the business and for the reputation of the individual that's using it. The, the way that I look at it is that anybody can use a tool LinkedIn is just a tool at the end of the day, but unless you've got the foundations in place behind it, then you're not going to get as much out of it as you want to. So I go into companies and I have a look at, have a look at their foundations and if they don't have them in place, then that's where we start. And foundations are generally around by, okay, who are you targeting? Do you have a clear picture of who your target audience is? And say, if you're an IT service provider and you tell me that your target market is anybody with a computer, then we would really strip it back and, and uh, prioritize. <laughs> we're going to need a half a day just on that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. Um, you know, like what's your value proposition? So why should people come to you over anybody else? Um, you know, what do you have available that you can already use? Because I think content is one of the biggest sources of overwhelm for so many businesses because they feel like they constantly need to be churning out new things um, instead of looking at what they've already got and thinking, right, okay, how can I optimize or repurpose it? So I I look at LinkedIn very strategically um, and look at how a company can get the most out of it, not just from a marketing point of view either, but from a business development point of view, because LinkedIn is a social networking tool. It's not a social media tool. And when you use it as a social networking tool, you use it to raise the reputation of the business, which helps you, uh, it helps you with long-term success. So, you know, you can position yourself as the company that people want to work for. You can position your company as a really strong company that would attract the best investors. You know, your uh, position in the company is the experts, you know, the company that people want to be working for. Um, And there's so many different ways to use it. So unless you've got those priorities and those objective sets, you can just end up going all over the place and get really overwhelmed with it. So true. Then you look busy, but you're not getting anything in the back. Oh, I know. Well, it's like, um, I think one one of my biggest things at the moment is that 
I get asked all the time, it's like, well, this person's getting loads of likes and loads of comments on their content. How do I do that? And it's like, well, yeah, that person might be getting loads of likes and comments and they're spending all their time responding to those comments, but it's not translating to actual business because their content is not aimed at their target market. It's aimed at people just randomly commenting on it. Yes, that looks good, but it's not functional. So instead, focus on writing content that is aimed at your target market. You know, I had a client, he's in a very, very niche industry or niche, depending on who you are, the way you're listening from. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a very, very niche industry and he posts, you know, once every couple of weeks, but his posts are so, so relevant to the space in which he's working on. And, you know, he might only get a thousand views on a post, but that thousand views uh, results in like 12 sales inquiries. You know, and this particular client that I'm talking about, his sales cycle is like three, six, sometimes even 12 years. So, you know, 12 sales conversations. We're not just talking about people that are a little bit interested in what it is that they're doing. We're talking about people that actively want to get on the phone with you and have a serious conversation about what it is that you're doing. And, you know, I'd rather have a thousand views, 12 sales conversations than 10,000 views and a hundred comments that I've got to reply to. Yeah. And a lot of random thumbs ups. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, yeah, the... If you want thumbs up, just post. This should not be here. It should be on Facebook and everybody, you know, it's like <laughs> the, 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 the Facebook the police. Post of the, well, yeah. uh, let's, let's shift gears a little bit to your own creative process. And mm-hmm. uh, you do have this podcast, The Curiosity Key. What, what is your yeah. creative approach to your podcast Ooh, and, the kinds of people appro- that, and the kinds of people you like to talk to? So my creative approach to my podcast is who would I really like to have a conversation with mm-hmm. and um, let's just air it live. So I think I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've always been a good networker and I've always met lots of fascinating people. Yeah, my creative process is like, are you going to be interesting? Can we have a good conversation? Do you have a good story to tell? And how can I draw that story out of you in a, in a way that would be interesting to other people? And I had the idea for ages about launching the podcast. And then I was pregnant at the time. And a, a friend of mine, we did this challenge together because she wanted to get the first draft of her book published uh, or rather launched. So I said, I'm going to launch my podcast by the end of March 2019. So last year, I'm going to launch it with two episodes and it's going to go live on that day. And if I don't launch it on that day, I'm going to let my partner name our baby. <laughs> Anyway, so the podcast was launched on the, the last day in March with two episodes. Um, so I managed to save myself from that one. But I think um, if anybody has something creative that they want to launch into the world, don't set yourself something to celebrate because sometimes that's not a big enough driver for you to actually hit publish or actually like go ahead with it. Set yourself uh, like a really bad thing that has to happen, something that you cannot let happen no matter what. And then just basically publicly say to somebody or some people that if you don't do that by a certain day, then that bad thing is going to happen. And I guarantee you'll get it done by the day that you said. <laughs> yes, yes. The avoidance is more than the, uh, the carrot, I guess, in that well, we, case. We fear loss more than we value gain. Yeah, and it's yeah, so yeah. true in every, every different walk of life. Yeah. And I think in terms of your original question about being creative, for me, it's just all about asking questions, but asking myself questions as well as asking other people questions and making sure that it's relevant to the audience I want to reach and that they would find it interesting. Mm-hmm. So, And you mentioned this other person who was trying to launch the book. Yeah, does that accountability partner, there is something <laughs> about having somebody watching, you know, alongside you, isn't there? 
Oh, 100%. And her, the, she launched the first draft of her book. And I think it's with the publishers at the moment. It's been a bit of a long journey. But she didn't say publish the book by that day. She said, get the first draft written. Yes. And yes, having somebody to hold you accountable and to check in. Because I think, again, if you say something really bad is going to happen if you don't get it done, if you're the only person that knows about it, you could be very tempted to just not not do that thing. Whereas if you've got somebody else or you give somebody else the control to make that happen, then there's no way that you're going to miss that deadline. You're going to get it out there. There you go. Well, at the very outset, you said you're working on rebranding your business. And tell us about what that looks like and what's next for you, Charlie. So, uh, you know, I talked about Everest Base Camp and loving the outdoors and mountains. So the, the company is called Curious B2B Marketing. It'll be all launched by the end of the year um, with a new website, new graphics, imagery. It's, it's not that much different to what I've got now is that, you know, my brand is very yellow. <laughs> it's very yellow and blue and green. So using those colors. So what's next is uh, developing more online courses. I have a community called the Curious Marketing Club. I launched that five months ago now. So my focus at the moment is growing the Curious Marketing Club because that's aimed at people doing their own marketing. So it's a supportive community. So nobody feels alone and that, you know, you've got somewhere to bounce ideas off of people. You've got a place to come and learn. Somebody to tell you, is that really something that you should be focusing on right now? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that's growing. We've got 45 members in it at the moment. It's growing nicely because I haven't officially launched it. So I tell people about it, but I haven't officially launched it because it will fall under the new brand. So yeah, at the moment, it's launched the new brand, focus more on what it is that I'm doing at the moment, uh, do more with the podcast, get the otter further out into the world. The otter will turn into a book at some point next year. Lots of stuff going on. uh, That's exciting. Well, this episode of the podcast will pretty much align with your launch. So why don't you give us a clue as to how we can join this uh, Curious Marketing Club? If you want to join the Curious Marketing Club, then head over to curiousmarketingclub.com or curiousb2bmarketing.com. It is aimed at businesses that are selling to other businesses. I do have experience in the B2C space, but that's not... It's not where I like to spend all my time. I, I like long sales cycles and complex value propositions. That's, uh, I get a lot of my energy from things like that. It is aimed at B2B brands. If you want to check out the Curiosity Key podcast, then you just search for Curiosity Key podcast on YouTube or any podcasting platform. Or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you've listened to this podcast. Tell me what you loved about it. Tell me what you didn't like about it. Um, (laughs) Definitely always keen to hear from people. But if you're going to send me a message on LinkedIn, make sure you personalize the invite. Otherwise, you might just end up getting uh, lost in the noise of everybody sending generic ones. Well, Charlie, what a terrific conversation. I can't thank you enough. And as we close, you know, as we've talked about this idea of getting our creative work out into the world. Some of our listeners, they've got this idea for the book or the podcast or the white paper or something that they've been, it could be artwork, it could be a photo exhibit, that they just need a little confidence push to get it out there. What insights from your experience would you provide? I think the biggest biggest tip I can give you or thing that I can say to you is that if you don't publish or if you don't put it out into the world then that's not helping anybody else. So if you want to help people with what you're creating, or if you want to make a difference, or if you want to enhance somebody's life or their business, then you need, you deserve to put it out there. Ask yourself, what is actually stopping you? You know, because 
I promise you like, and this is from personal experience that you're never going to please everybody. If, even if you do have a couple of people that don't like it, it doesn't matter because for every two people that don't like it, you'll have 200 people that do. So tear off that plaster, hit publish and just put it out there um, because the, your audience deserves to see it Love or it. hear it or read it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, thanks for that encouragement. Our guest has been Charlie Wyman. It's W-H-Y-M-A-N. If you're looking her up on LinkedIn, it's just been a terrific conversation. Charlie is a a B2B marketing coach and consultant. She's got a terrific company that can help businesses of all sizes. But as I said at the outset, I really like the fact that she's an advocate for curious thinking. And that curiosity really comes through, Charlie. And I, I appreciate your enthusiasm and your curiosity as we've gone through our conversation here today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm Mark Stenson. This has been Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And our virtual journey has taken us to Nottingham, England today. Charlie Wyman has been our guest. So join us again next time. We'll explore more ideas on how to tap your original thinking, how to get tools and exercises that the experts use. And most of all, as we've just said, the confidence to get your creative work out into the world. Until next time, take care. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2020. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stenson.com, and enjoy the book.